Hi, this is Allison, host of the I Hate Charlie's podcast by Eternal Recurrence. Thanks for tuning in to our third episode. As a quick disclaimer, this podcast is not focused on teaching philosophy, but rather on helping get our listeners through the door on what philosophy can be through a quick diluted taste of it in a digestible and approachable manner. As a ground rule, we do not assume that our audience knows anything about any of this. In episode three, I, along with my guest of the week, Andrea, who is my co-head for Philosophy Club, tackle the Christian Bible's chapter two of Genesis and the tree of knowledge. However, our conversation quickly devolves within the first 10 minutes into a discussion about free will, antinatalism, privilege, tropes, living as a woman, and teenage life with new technology. Stick with us as this episode is jam-packed. All timestamps for the respective topics will be included in the description. Thanks for tuning in once again to this podcast. I hope you enjoy. More like made for man. Yeah. Stop. And then, and then when they get like doomed for eternity, um, God's like, you'll be bound to your husband or whatever. Which like, who wrote that? <laughs> so our punishment for eating fruit is just misogyny. <laughs> A lifetime of misogyny. It's kind of rude. <laughs> okay. Okay. Welcome, listeners, to episode three of I Hate Trolleys. Today, I am joined by my friend and my co-leader for um, co-conspirator, co-conspirator for philosophy <laughs> next year at um, school. So, Andrea, do you want to introduce yourself to the master? Sure. Yeah. So, Alice and I both run a philosophy club, or are hopeful to be running one in the yeah. school year. We're both going into grade 12 and we create a philosophy website, Eternal Recurrence Together, shameless plug. Wow. <laughs> and yeah, I like philosophy. I really think it's fun and I don't <laughs> want to say too much about it because <laughs> that's just a losery conversation waiting to happen. <laughs> I think that's good enough. That's good enough. You yeah. know, that's really fair. Um, yeah, okay, let's jump jump right into it so today we're doing tree of knowledge I guess like the full name is tree of knowledge of good and evil yeah that's Genesis like first chapter of Genesis and just sort of like a general conversation of questioning the chapter as a whole yeah what it is is a philosophical text from a philosophical standpoint um not from a religious standpoint we're doing this from a secular perspective yeah Um, there's a lot of plot holes in it I feel like everyone knows this but if you overlook it it can be sort of a watertight piece of philosophy Mm. so that's what we're going to try to do this passage has been like long debated and I think it's really interesting yeah I feel like there's a lot of room for us to cover so I think we can just start by we can read it um (laughs) Andrea do you want to start us off We're starting from the fall, Genesis 3. Hi listeners, sorry for the abrupt cut. We had some issues with the audio in this section, so I'll be reading this passage instead of Andrea. After that, it'll be back to our regularly scheduled program. The fall. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, 
For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining, for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God said to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. And then God goes on to curse the serpent and curse them both. And he condemns them to earth, basically, where they suffer. Yeah. They start to and bear the- children. They start to like suffer all the misgivings of humanity. The children kill each other. It becomes like a whole yeah. entire family tree. Um, and now they're mortal, not immortal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the part that the part that really gets to me, um, and I think for context, I don't know if this is important, but maybe I grew up like very, very religious. Um, my household is still very religious and I used to be. Um, I used to, you know, do the whole nine yards, go to church every Friday for like hours after school. Um, every Sunday I would go to church. Um but the part that has always sort of weirded me out is the idea that Adam and Eve had free will when doing this. Because that's the mm. impression we're taught. We're taught within the church that it's a it's a very conscious choice they make. They they choose to deceive God, I guess would be the best way to do it, to say it. They they choose to go against his word and his goodness, and they choose to condemn themselves. Uh sort of under the illusion that they they know what they're getting themselves into and they like they They don't it's like a whole paradoxical thing because they didn't have the wisdom to know what evil was Mm -hmm. so how are they supposed to know in the first place that I'm not sure what how I interpret it is that God didn't give them free will at all Mm -hmm. and knew that exactly that that was what was going to happen because the knowledge of good and evil is an inherent aspect of the human condition. I feel like in the Garden of Eden, in the utopia, quote unquote, they were living almost like animals, just like enjoying the present moment, not really thinking of much. That's not to say that there wasn't like evil scurrying about X the serpent who like was there, but they couldn't recognize it. So I think that it's all symbolic of like a higher level of consciousness or something. And that like our, um, us being self-aware and moral and moral agents, uh, I wouldn't say it's like a sin that it's like, it's not being described as a sin, but it's the fall of man. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. Eve really had zero idea what evil was before biting into the fruit. Right. Mm -hmm. In that moment, she sort she sort of creates good and evil, right? Yeah. 
like it all feels yeah. backwards to me because god he knew ahead of time what the results of the sin would be he knew that adam and eve would sin and they would bring evil suffering and death into the world if he's you know like omni everything yeah, um, so like why did he tempt them like what's this little power play <laughs> I really I don't know it's also weird because in the passage it says oh when Eve saw that it was like useful for gaining wisdom it's like I thought the whole how was that need for gaining wisdom there if you weren't on like some end- endless pursuit of knowledge in the first place like you were like chilling you know what I'm saying I feel like how I interpret it is that them eating the fruit is then when like that spark of like I, I need to know everything and I'm having an existential crisis is like born yeah. <laughs> and that's everyone wants wisdom but I don't I, I don't see how that happened before so that's also another pl- plot hole like they weren't born with they weren't created I guess with any past knowledge yeah. of what wisdom is as you said they weren't born with any they weren't created with any past knowledge of what good and evil is mm-hmm. like it feels to me that they were like this is largely like an innocent thing and they just get condemned to earth exactly like Adam, also- he's just kind of so- like she did it yeah on your own wife <laughs> Also, screw Adam for that. There's something to be said about not taking responsibility. I also feel like that's also a, a different thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't but even know. But sure, arguably, like Eve reaches for the. She reaches for the fruit first, right? Yeah. And it's, it, what does it? What does it say? Let me di- directly quote it so that I don't. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. I mean, he took it, right? <laughs> exactly. He's just as responsible. Yeah. It's she- also, it also like has some like, I guess, like sexual temptation undertones. This is how we reviewed it in English. I remember a few like years ago mm-hmm. that like Eve's like a sinner for being like a temptress or whatever that like Adam couldn't like control himself. There's also a lot just like wrong with, I, I, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's, there feels like a lack of agency. Like it feels like they're really, to me, it feels like they're really painting as Eve, painting Eve as like evil and. Yeah. With like whatever, like talking to the serpent and Adam is, I don't know, frolicking in the background or whatnot. He, I guess he's not responsible for any of this. Christians say that Adam and Eve were given like a chance to obey or disobey him, right? That's like the overarching thing. And yeah. they had a chance to do everything they wanted except eat the tree. That's like the one thing you can't do. Exactly. So I guess arguably like the tree needed to be there to give some illusion of free will because then they can choose they can choose between something. Exactly. That's the whole crux of free will and free will philosophy and debating it is that I mean what's the point if we live our lives as though we have free will you know what I'm okay. saying let, let me add let me let me inquire okay. can I ask if you're, if you're if you're comfortable what are your personal beliefs about free will I guess in general or just connected with the passage if you want honestly I think that we don't have free will just because everything is just so 
like connected every successive moment and like butterfly effects Mm -hmm. like a flap of a wing here it can cause a tornado there and with like the universe just working very like soundly I think that I don't have much of a choice but does it matter I experience me being a free agent and me thinking I have free will and that's it doesn't matter I mean it's a question that that's interesting but I'm not ever going to stop experiencing life as though I have free will. Yeah, like the illusion of free will takes priority over any, I guess, logical arguments you might make against the idea. Yeah, and like they say, like every decision you've made has like led you here. So it's, it almost seems, I don't know. And if you get into like the whole debate around like time travel and simulation theory, the probability that we do have free will is very, very small. But that that's just like when I throw my hands back and I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to forget this ever happened. <laughs> yeah, I feel like actually this is a large, I think we can just talk about like the philosophy field a little bit. Like this is a large part of why for philosophy club, I think we should try or we are trying to focus on real life applications of philosophy because for a lot of philosophy um a lot of it's like oh like when you go pick up an orange like this is what it means and this is all the stuff that's happening like behind like you didn't even choose to pick up that orange you didn't have like free will to do it and it's sort of like like maybe but I don't really care like I just kind of I just kind of want to go and pick up my orange like so what if all exactly happening in the background that's why I like philosophy because it tells you a lot about what you value yourself if you're like that's stupid I don't even care I'm never gonna know then that's fine but if you're pining towards an answer or it's really bothering you that you can't figure something out then I mean it tells you a lot about yourself I don't yeah. know that's why I like it yeah adding on to what you were talking about I guess your personal beliefs about free will mm-hmm. I sort of had the same issue but I'm having I'm having a little bit of a dilemma, okay? So, <laughs> there's there's this guy John Locke. We learn about him in philosophy. He's this philosopher, and he basically asserts that like the mind is like a blank slate. When you're born, nothing's been imprinted onto you. Essentially, when all of us are born, we're basically like the same thing. We're just sort of a baby, and no, there's nothing going on in our heads, and our experiences, I guess, they carve themselves onto our slate and they create who we are. So it's big on like nature versus nurture, but I guess nurture would take like priority. There's like no nature aspect. There's nothing innate about us when we're born. Yeah. And I wholly buy into that. Okay. Nothing innate. Yeah. Like I think it's a hundred percent. And because of that, I think we have no free will. Like, I think if we are just an amalgamation of our experiences you know I guess it's another version of the butterfly effect I think every single action has like a consequence on our personalities like every single one everything everything we do and it's going to determine how you react to things so it's already like in my wiring that's also a different like a whole different like argument um yeah so like the the issue I'm having recently is sort of the idea of accountability like if any if if that's the case if we don't have free will is anyone accountable for like literally anything sometimes let's imagine that my friend says something mean to me right 
I can imagine myself in their place being raised the way they are. Maybe I would have said the exact same thing, right? Like I see like their words and like everything they say as just like a creation of their past experiences. Exactly. And that's where, that's exactly where you start feeling sympathy and empathy and you can look at things from different perspective. Uh, I definitely, I do think about this a lot actually. I think that we all have a duty to like take responsibility for ourselves when Mm -hmm. it's rational and not get into the whole like (laughs) nine yards of this debate but no I are we (laughs) are we like actually responsible for anything we do well, here's the thing. We start thinking we're responsible. Let's say that like we actually were a blank slate and everything like from the time we were born to now has been programmed. Yeah. In the past and future are just like set in stone. Mm-hmm. Me thinking that I'm responsible for like truly responsible for my mistakes is really disordered. And if we thought about it a different way, if we completely changed our whole system. Yeah. Would there be like such chaos in the world? like what do you mean can you like expand on that what was I even saying (laughs) if um sorry well if we knew that we weren't responsible for our actions and other people weren't responsible for their actions and their actions were just actions period there was no moral agency to the whole thing because there couldn't be given the circumstances like what what would just happen that's just a question I'm throwing out there I, c- I can't imagine it because it's it's never going to happen in a lifetime, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, this is how I feel about a lot of... What is it? Like, punishment versus rehabilitation. This is what, like, I think about when it comes to that issue. Like, I feel like, given the correct experiences, I guess, like, what if someone, like, because of a horrible experience in their past, it causes them to do something in their future, right? Yeah butterfly effect right it's created them into this person I guess it makes me feel like they're not liable for that right and because of that given the correct experiences and maybe certain experiences we can like program them for who they might be in the future you know if we make them experience something now maybe we can predict how they act in the future yeah oh well sometimes like like if I had like a kid right I don't believe in kids <laughs> but if I had a kid don't believe in kids, Allison, in kids. Thinks, <laughs> Allison thinks kids are a conspiracy theory they're not real kids aren't real they're not real um, that's a conversation for another time actually we're doing an episode <laughs> we're doing an episode on that so you guys going forward to that okay. but, um if I were to have a kid sometimes I think of it this is the this is why I shouldn't be a parent <laughs> sometimes I look at it as like like customizing like a video game avatar <laughs> like okay, if you- i can maybe i can challenge your beliefs here okay that's like true i find it so weird when like people are like dressing up their babies in dior at the age of two months old that, i'm like i haven't seen that there's like okay this is like another conversation but there's like children influencers and it's really freaky. And I worry about the psychological impacts about that. Every time I see like 
a child show up like on my Instagram in like little clothes. I'm like, what the hell is this? I know. And they have no say in it, which is just really pisses me off. There's actually so much more to be said about that. It's sad, but um, it was, I was having a conversation with my mom the other day and I was like, why did you want to have kids? Mm-hmm. And she was like, she was like, you know, people who decide not to have kids later in life, they're going to find, I'm not actually saying this about you. This is just her perspective. We're good. Uh, they're going to find that there's a missing link in their life. And that's going to have to be something they're going to come to accept. Meaning that like, in a lot of senses, like having children is like life coming to fruition in like full, full circle. That's what she thinks. I can get around. I don't know. I like, I definitely feel that I think me, me not having kids is more of a personal belief than like a don't have kids. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, as a person who's like, this is going to be so corny, but like a person who's big on like meaning of life and like what life is like, I, I, I worry about that sometimes. Like I, like what happens if I don't have kids and later on in life, I'm like, God damn it. Like, I'm like, I'm missing something that maybe children are the meaning of life, but yeah, but that's like, everyone's telling us that we have to have kids. And if we're feeling um, unfulfilled for whatever reason, at the end of our lives, we're going to automatically pinpoint that on not having children. Yeah. So who's to say, but I think there's so many people who have children for the wrong reasons. And yeah. we, we don't talk about often enough that you have to be 110% committed to raising children. 110%. Yeah. And it's like life's biggest decision. And that's what scares me so much. I never want to get into a situation where like, I even want to like 80% have kids and have kids, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, you got to be, you got to be willing to dedicate your life. Cause that's literally what it takes. Yeah. Also in the, in the idea that like your experiences like program you to like who you're going to be like being mm-hmm. a parent under that context is extremely terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Like knowing what you teach your kids. I mean, obviously, like knowing what you you teach your kids is going to like affect them when they're older. But what they see, what they experience, you know, if you're I ever like, an asshole to them, that that can like affect them for life. You know, once I know. Uh, and oh, sorry, go on. <laughs> no, 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 that's all. Like, yeah. More so just the experiences they're going to have out in the world that you have no control over. I would say a bigger fear of mine is having a kid who gets relentlessly bullied and just bad things happen to them and you're just sitting there like I can't do anything about this and my heart will be broken literally too seeing like the person I love most suffer yeah that's torture and that's like possible so this is a part of why I don't believe in having children I think it takes a lot of self-confidence first of all Mm -hmm. sorry to my parents and all parents out there but um I think it takes a lot of self-confidence to have a child and be like yeah I can adequately raise them right like I think like I think whatever issues you have a lot of the time it's passed on to your kid oh 100% but no one comes unscathed no child can comes out without some emotional baggage you have to be willing to like buy into that second of all you have zero control over what happens in life 
Okay. Like I know there's the aspect of like, maybe if you're like richer, maybe if you're whatever, if your circumstances are better, the probability goes down, but there's always going to be the probability that something fucking horrific happens. What happens if I have a kid next day, I die in a car crash. Kid goes into like the foster care system, gets traumatized, whatever. I have zero control. Okay. I could be condemning this kid to a horrible life. I could be condemning them to like, arguably like the worst life ever. Like what happens if they literally live the worst life ever? I have zero control over that. And that's super freaky. I feel like that chance, even if it's like super slim, even if it's in the millionth percentile, I think the chance at all that is exists is not something I can like buy into. Really? I just, I think about sometimes that I'm glad if I wasn't alive, I would just be like, non-existent for like the rest of effing eternity like it blows my mind like I was the exact sperm and egg yeah. <laughs> now I'm here it's it's I can't I, obviously no one can wrap their mind around it but I think about it every day that I wasn't born as like a mosquito or like a plant <laughs> like also in addition I mean, being born as like a person who can go to private school in the first world country is yeah it's horrifying because we still have problems. <laughs> it's like, I shouldn't be having problems. I think about it all the time that someone would literally kill to be in my position Absolutely. and millions of people who would kill to be in my position. And it's so weird. People are like, there's people dying. So many people have it worse. Like, just like cheer up. Um, and we're so self-absorbed and so... It 100% I think goes both ways because there's like a very like there's very much an awareness I have that like I did absolutely but fuck nothing to like deserve this right the probability of me like being born into this massive amount of privilege is literally just that literally just probability right could have been fucking anyone just it happened to me um and I think like of course like we go to school and sometimes like there's very much like the feeling of like privilege everywhere and like a vast like awareness of it and it's literally ingrained into every single part of our life and I think that's something this is like a conversation I think that private schools especially like need to be having but just never have yeah. like one conversation There's I think that so needs much to, to say about it Which because is, what it means oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was just gonna say that I feel like it's strange that private school people are already on a baseline of privilege and yeah. there just creates some sort of like distortion bubble where you think that just everyone lives that way. Yeah. In public school, in any given public school, I mean, it does vary by area. There are some people who are struggling to eat. No yeah. one at Harvard struggles to eat. And so we, you don't, you're not even consciously aware that it's a problem. This is, this is like the one conversation that private schools need to be having or those in privilege need to be having. And it's what it means to be born with privilege and what we should be doing with it. But for some yeah. reason, we never we never really get there. There's like an acknowledgement of privilege that sort of, I think, is used as a way to disseminate ourselves from our guilt, right? Mm. There's a sort of guilty aspect of being privileged, right? Knowing that we did nothing to deserve it and yet we're eating it up, right? We're benefiting off the system, right? Exactly. But the conversation is never held that it's like, okay, we're born with this privilege and we can do something with it. So what is that thing? But it, it, it all sort of feels very hush-hush to me. 
it all seems very hush hush. Yeah. I, I wouldn't know. Like, I understand that when you're in a spot of privilege, you can use your voice and your resources to amplify other people. I can understand that, except mm-hmm. we've been given very little context and just ways to do that. We have yeah. like two community partnerships. It's like it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I, f- yeah. like, I feel like we could be having, like, we have assemblies every morning. We have prayers every morning. We could be talking about how to spread the wealth. We could be talking about a lot of things. Then we have weird, weird prayers where we just sort of talk about being parking lot spaces. <laughs> like Weird. <laughs> like every single day, I cannot believe that happened. That was just absolutely effing traumatic. Yeah. Um, just, that's <laughs> I want to I want to like delve deeper into the whole private school thing because it's just always been at the back of my mind. Let's do and, it. But, yeah. Yeah, it's just the philosophy of private school. Uh, I don't know. One thing is like like I'm not going to act that like I'm just, like away from all of this. I'm completely privileged and I'm completely illusioned by it. I think that's like an inherent thing if you're bored like a lot of times especially at like private schools if you attend it and you just are surrounded by people who are just as privileged as you yeah like there's a complete illusion of like what privilege is and just complete unawareness of like how privileged we really are yeah exactly and it's also it's also strange because there's so like wealth is like exponential you know what I'm saying so you have yeah. people who, who really care about sending their kids to a good school and are like pretty middle income and then genuine billionaires yeah and then there's always that comparison aspect for some reason it's weird because private school kids care more than anybody but who has the most wealth and like status (laughs) anyone else considering that people would just look at you on the street and be like private school kid oh my god their wealth and status just like standing there (laughs) but like you know what i'm saying it's yeah. like so gossip girl, but it's so inherent to our whole culture. It's just so weird. Like yeah. there's like weird things. Cause I remember like growing up and like some people go to like ski clubs, right? I just happened to not. And so one girl asked me like, do you ski? And I was like, oh yeah. Like I, I go on like ski vacations with my family sometimes. Like I've taken lessons. And she's like, no, like, do you ski? I was like, what? It's just like shit like that where it's just a whole different like universe and planet people are living on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I know that if I ever go broke or my business fails and whatever, I'm not going to be living on the streets and I'm not going to be homeless. Yeah. And that is something that people, that's a, that is a privilege, like a huge, huge privilege that people so often take for granted. Yeah. And like, was, sorry, sorry, keep going. Um, I heard of this st- like course in university that some people take, it's called stress. And it's basically about low income and people living in poverty, having actual biological factors like due to stress, working against them and getting ahead Mm -hmm. financially, economically, all that stuff. Um, So it goes even further than what's on paper. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Like as I grow older most of my friends like outside of school or like all of them do not go to private school um I feel like I've on some level escaped the bubble a little bit and sometimes like the conversations with them like it like it really slaps me in the face like where I'm yeah. like yeah like goddamn like I'm really like one 
one percent of the one percent and that's like yeah it's also crazy because I think about what everyone goes out and does together and that whole social aspect of like someone not being able to like afford something or whatever you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. never in my life have have I had a friend from private school be like oh I would love to go out for lunch but I can't afford it or something similar you know what I'm saying it all seems like money actually just grows out of her pockets and just like is gone with the wind you know what I'm saying and so we don't we're not even like aware that people have financial issues like to begin with it's we only see it on paper and like in stories which is so polarizing and weird I find yeah and I feel like this we're just talking about a need to have some sort of like forum or conversation with people from all socioeconomic backgrounds like I wish that everyone from every position oh yeah so I'm like very and, like, arena, and we just we would just talk about like what's going on yeah like I'm very aware of the fact right now that we are two just like private private school people like literally just like complaining <laughs> not complaining I feel like I feel like our guilt or whatever we feel is like nothing compared to like our mass amount of privilege like the gratefulness yeah. that we should feel it, it doesn't even matter it doesn't even cross my mind it's only just like yeah. oh I won the lottery before I was born type of thing right yeah I think when you're born with privilege there needs to be like a constant past like a constant awareness of it because like I don't think that's enough like I think there needs to be like a like a constant working against it for us to be yeah it's like, so weird when like, people kind of like say stuff and they're like I know I'm privileged but and then, then they just have to say that short snippet and then they can just say what whatever they want almost. I'm yeah. making an overgeneralization, but I feel like I, I see that too often. There no, has to be it's, some it's integration to, of what it is. It's a it's a way to disseminate yourself from the guilt and feel like you're doing something yeah. by acknowledging it. But there needs to be action. So because of that, I will I will link shit in the description. <laughs> um, resources <laughs> will be down there. Um, yeah. Well, now I'm really thinking like, what would be a how do we, what would be a good initiative at our school to combat this or try to talk about privilege in a different light in a true and constructive manner rather than, than disseminating ourselves of guilt and then getting on with it? I think number one, there needs to be awareness. There's for sure. a lot of times like just literally none of that or people just don't want to talk about it. And I think there needs to be a push to realize that this is a necessary conversation to have. I mean, there's sort of the barrier of like knowing that like a lot of those in privilege, like like although it's a necessary conversation, it's also one they don't have to have. Like they don't have to, they don't have to have the conversation if they don't want to. Do they have a moral obligation? I think yes. Yeah. But they like. D- free will do they have it I don't know but I guess they can choose <laughs> Dude, maybe it's not their fault for not wanting to talk about it right <laughs> maybe maybe I'm not sure well I mean then I feel like if we're talking about the whole blank slate thing it's everyone else's um responsibility in raising a child to make them want to talk about it or make them good moral agents I feel like that's just kind of a fact but yeah I'm not sure 
It's like sort of freaks me out. Like that's the part where it gets to like video game character customization, right? Because I feel like I could like have a child and I could like, I could like literally program them to like love music. I think if I just like talk about how like, that's like a random example. What if I just talk about how amazing music is and how music has changed my life and whoever's raising them, I tell them to do that too. They're going to up just believing that because I've told them to. Did you hear that babies are like smarter? This is so fake. But like if they listen to Mozart, then like their yeah. IQ expands. And I was reading that like, I'm going to make my one month old listen to Mozart. They're going to be a genius. Who doesn't want a prodigy genius child who's insanely attractive and funny? Yeah. <laughs> There's some sort of like backwards thing with this where <laughs> like this is also a part that freaks me out having children right? This is also where it comes to like one of the examples where I think it's the wrong reason. You're doing it for yourself, making yourself feel good. I guess we could talk about like the hedonism thing where maybe everything is meant to make you feel good, but yeah. like, <laughs> um, like this is the part where I think like you might be having a child for the wrong reason. You want them to be like a prodigy, but that's for the benefit of yourself and not for your child. Yeah, but the, everyone says like, oh, I love my child no matter what, but there's something fishy about it is it a little bit fishy? <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I don't, we can't even speak about it because we're both childless. Yeah. So, but yeah. Um, I feel like you just hope that your child hope some sort of a winning lottery ticket too. In some yeah, sense, you hope right? that they success, they succeed. I mean, you hope that they'll change the world and whatnot. That's also yeah. the best of them. But also in the same coin, it's also the best for you. Yeah, you know what? Wait, I'm also thinking. I see so... The whole problem is that some parents are so insecure about how they raise their children and just have so much fear surrounding it, and rightfully so. But it starts turning into, like, some massive competition. Remember in the junior school, like, there's so many, like, moms who would, like, have added about the way they're raising their children like oh like you let so-and-so have like yogurt like at 4 p.m oh we don't do that like it's bad for like or whatever just like stupid stuff like that which is so passive aggressive but I'm meaning to say that like maybe just like being good at being parents is a whole motivation for us in and of itself like regardless of the child Mm -hmm. or maybe is that fueled from like child anxiety am I are you following me I feel like that was like twisted uh not (laughs) admittedly not completely okay okay let me try to like redo this um I find that parents are insecure about the way they raise their children and so they start competing with other parents and like kind of like putting others down about how they raise their children and like whatnot and then a motivation to be a good parent stems from social implications rather than being a good parent for your child so is there a whole different aspect to having children being the best parent or is that just sort of implicit in being a parent does it make any sense I don't know if this is even I, I see what you mean I think wanting to be a good parent for a child versus wanting to be a good parent for like social benefit, I guess I would say, or like, or seem like the perfect person. I yeah, feel like you're a talking like you want to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. 
like and it's just another facet having a child is another facet to show how great you are if you're that type of person who's like a psychopath I don't know but like um I feel like it's a very useful facet right and you can just write off everything you're doing of oh I love my child I'm so wholesome but yeah yeah for sure like sure like definitely I think of course everybody wants to seem like a good parent or be one question mark but I think we're the when the priority of like wanting to appear versus actually be like starts to happen yeah we're that we're instead of like an overlap because I think there's always going to be a bit of an overlap to wanting to be perceived as like the most amazing parent um but when that starts to take priority then then there's an issue I think but before that I can sort of like sympathize of course everybody wants to like yeah Uh, it's like whether to have children still blows my mind I just don't want to think about it it's good that you're set on it and it's also weird because like a lot of people who don't understand um what it's like to not have to have children because they can't can't sympathize with someone being like no I don't want any I know that some doctors like will refuse people uh uterectomies or just taking out the whole thing entirely because they just don't want to deal with it um until they're like a certain age so they know um and so it's held at such a high value in our society having children that um it's, it's almost taking over our own well-being. I mean, yeah, like the, the whole conversation, like look what's happening in the in America. But yeah, like I like I don't know. I feel like this was uh, something we mentioned in episode two, but being a female presenting person or being seen as a woman is often you're seen as you you're seen as what is desirable when it's when your beauty is sacrificial. That is something yeah. we talked about. And I think like motherhood ties into that a bit like how are you going to live your life if it's not a sacrifice for your child how are you going to live your life if it's not in sacrifice for a man yeah well that's exactly what it says in uh genesis like you will like have a painful childbirth and be bound to your husband Eve. oh my god we came for a full circle, we came full circle. We came full circle. <laughs> oh my god no yeah, yeah. like it really feels i like- i, I sorry go on no 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 no. sorry okay I was uh I don't know I was watching a video essay the other day I love video essays I just finished a video essay on like the manic pixie dream girl and oh how like I have so don't get me started don't get me started that has sent me spiraling into an abyss you have to understand because I'm so thinking about that uh, uh, so much to say but yeah a woman's tragedy in the media and in, in literature and television and movies and everything has to be painted with beauty and grace and everything you can't die if it's not like in a bed of roses and everything has to be beautiful and if you're suffering and you're pretty then that's like that's art but if you're suffering and you're unattractive then that's just like a disgrace like that like reminds everyone of like the fall of man and no one wants to see it yeah and it's it's sad and it's not the same way for men because I don't even know how what to say about like men's tragedies. It's just like a tragedy. Yeah, I think like as you were saying, it's like that's how we've been portrayed within literature, right? And that's yeah. like um, 
in all literature in all media that's how we're perceived right and that like I think because of that it makes it a lived reality for us right that's how literally things are yeah it becomes another facet for us because it's it seems so real I think Um. autonomy within this is something we talked about in episode two but autonomy within a woman is always going to be like be seen as like a negative as much yes. as we, as much as we push for girl power and we push for like women independence right yeah we're it not always, there yeah yeah we're not there yet it always has to be rewritten by a man because oh sorry um what was i saying oh yeah it's rewritten rewritten by a man to be like the cool girl trope or like manic pixie dream girl who yeah. who's like free and wild and like lets you see a different side of life <laughs> it's like yeah. a man can do that just being himself you know what i'm saying yeah because everything about everything within literature like women have been seen through the perspective of men and we're made for men all of media is made for men right it's made yeah. for the gays and because of that like it's really hard to define yourself in life as a woman outside of a man's perception or someone defining it for you I was thinking about this the other day and I I don't really know what I'm doing like I'm just trying to like spell some things out yeah yeah this is my thought process but sometimes like when I'm like with like my friends and like a group of like guys or something and somebody does something that's like what I perceive to be too like hyper feminine and like stereotypically like girly and stuff I'm like can you stop that you're giving us all a bad rap like that's like kind of like my like thought process I don't know if you can relate mm-hmm. but that's like an anxiety I have of someone being themselves out of fear that I'm going to have less autonomy because I, I feel yeah. so like bound to that to that label of being a, a girl if that makes any sense that makes and sense. I know that's sort of like a disordered like thought pattern it's not right I've obviously gotten over it as time has moved on and I've become less self-absorbed and like crazy <laughs> but like um yeah that was a very real thing for me and so I was just thinking like have I been like living my whole life running from being like too normal and too different at the same time I, I like think every I think it's because to live as a woman is to be defined by a trope right you are constantly being defined from every direction as different tropes and to try and escape the trope is just another trope exactly (laughs) no it's like it's uh, like block the pig where like the pig escapes (laughs) and it just (laughs) until you literally get trapped in like a box yep (laughs) yep (laughs) but we think about that and I'm like what's the significance Obviously, no one 100% conforms to any given trope. It, it, I feel like that the power that these tropes have dissipates when, I mean, people stop perpetuating it. So I feel like that's also another way, sorry, facet and why, like, acting too stereotypically something as a female presenting person bothers me, if that makes any sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I feel weird like admitting that, but I feel I feel I feel like people can relate in some sense. Yeah. Like it's just a me issue. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Well, when 
I, I was listening to your, I don't really want to, I don't want to like repeat episode two. Oh God, but I think someone was saying that um, we're always just checking how we're being perceived. Oh yeah. Like, even when I'm like in my room alone, I'm like, how would I be perceived right now? I don't yeah. think that's like entirely normal, but I know that all girls do it for sure. Female presenting people do it for sure. Um, I think that's because within media, we're seen through the eyes of men. So we're conditioned to look at ourselves through the eyes of others. Yeah. Like, I'm literally just repeating stuff, but I don't really care. Like, <laughs> like we learned in grade 10 about the simulation hypothesis. And we had a big conversation of, let's say Big Brother is watching you right now right? Yeah. How do your actions change and would they change? And I was sort of, like, I was thinking like, I always feel that way. I always feel like I'm being watched a little bit. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing in the Panopticon, do you know France? Not France. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Panopticon, the actual Panopticon started acting differently, just like subconsciously. Like they just like little idiosyncrasies and what they, they would do hmm. would be more in tune with um social norms yeah because they knew that they were being watched and they didn't even realize that so i'm i'm thinking like what kind of effect does that have on us um it's just it's just scary and what i hate more than anything is liking something and somebody telling me that i'm like coquette or something oh my god too many that is so bad too many times where I'll be like, well, I'll, like, I'll literally do anything. And because it's a trope, it's looked down on, right? Yeah. Well, like, there's always something wrong with it. There's two sides, sides of a coin. So yeah. everyone has something to say about it. Yeah. Um, but then I'm thinking, like, did, why did I start liking these things in the first place? Mm-hmm. Right? And that it's just, like, like blows my mind thing. because... I associate these things in some sense to my identity and now people are taking that and running with it and I have to like do something with it you know what I'm saying it becomes a sort of like a responsibility mm-hmm. it, whereas with like, masculine people they have an interest and people are like oh that that's cool no one questions it I can't think of very many male tropes that are like confining when I think of like like a hockey boy or like a jock, I'm like, oh, that's cool. There's probably more to them. Like that, like that, like kind of like, oh yeah. Cross mind. I think but- also for all male tropes, they're all desirable. You can be a fucking asshole. You will still be desired. That's another trope that you will be loved for. Yes. <laughs> Literally, you can be a serial killer. This is another fucking weird thing where people romanticize actual genuine serial killers. You can be a murderer. You could be eating people for like lunch. And you will still be desired. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like the serial killer trope is like a complete 360 of like, the, the, like, I don't even know, like Prince Charming. And that's like also like, yeah. like, it's like the North and South Pole of just like male tropes just sit right there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I think it comes it also, from the, like, sorry, sorry. No, sorry. Um, I, I find it weird that, like, people, like, say, like, oh, he's respectful or something like that as, like, an adjective, like, a describing word word for them. Yeah. Being, like, oh, they don't, like, 
they aren't shitty people who well I mean that's that's also a side of a coin for us I don't think anyone like kind of describes girls as respectful kind of just assume they're like good people before you um say anything else but I find maybe maybe we're tapping into something because I feel like it's not automatic for men in my experience from like oh yeah it's more acceptable for you to be like absolutely like a douchebag when you're a guy um I don't know. I think it comes a lot from like the like this trope. This is another fucking trope. Everything's a trope, I guess. Oh. <laughs> um, we've been born into where it's like, oh, like I can save him. Like I can fix him, right? It's like he's a fucking asshole. But no, if I if I'm there for him, if I sacrifice myself for him, if I fuck him, if I do the manic pixie dream girl movies talking, Allison. Yeah, we can't escape. We can't escape. Like if I if I if I literally like sacrifice and fucking kill myself for him, I can fix him, right? That's really what um picture of Dorian Gray is. Have you read it? <laughs> yeah, I listened, to, I listened to it as an audiobook on the plane. <laughs> Lord Henry is like to oh what's his face? I forget him. Oh Dorian Gray, he was like yeah. no, don't worry that Sybil Vane killed herself. Like that is so cool for you. Go bestie, like. Yeah get into civil yeah. <laughs> veins here like oh my god it was so sad and then dorian gray is just like so obsessed with like how he looks like <laughs> but yeah well i wouldn't say you know what i would say the whole i can fix something i've definitely like in to a smaller extent thought things like that and i'm like oh it's just because like he doesn't understand he hasn't been oh, like exposed to what I've been exposed to. And I have different, I have just a better and different perspective of dealing with my emotions. Cause we're also taught that guys are very bad at dealing with their emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think for guys, it's a lot more excused away. A guy can be like literally anything. It can be so rude. And a lot of people will be like, oh yeah, he just like, it's like ignorance. And maybe it is, but then I think if it was like, if their place were replaced by a woman, it would, the response would 100% not be the same. It would be cool girl trope. It would be gone girl trope. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it, I find it weird because there's people on TikTok saying they want to be gone girl, which is just like, no, you don't. Why are you saying <gasps> that? Yeah. <laughs> just straight up don't. And it's like this whole like, like frick the patriarchy thing. It's like, that girl's a psychopath. Just be glad you're not like her, <laughs> please. It's, I don't yeah, know. Like the whole wanting to be like a, a quote unquote girl boss, which is just sort of like a woman manipulator <laughs> is like really weird to me. Like I'm Remember still in my head. Remember when we talked about that? <laughs> that was so funny. We got into a whole like analogy <laughs> of the term girl boss. That was so funny. You know, shit out sap. I miss that class. <laughs> um, there was something I wanted to mention. I yeah, well, I find like the girl boss. Oh, and this is what happens to tropes. <laughs> Just to like circle around here, I feel like once they get overused or people are tired of it and people are tired of like debating about it and whatnot it becomes ironic all of a sudden it's like 
because I don't know, like who used to say slay? Visco girls. The Visco girl trope is dead now, by the way, but whatever. And now yeah. slay is said by everybody and their uncle. And I love that word to death and I'm not complaining about it. But at the same time, like if I were to say that unironically or just say that in general, like I think two years ago, I would have been like burned at the stake. So like, yeah. So... <laughs> um so i'm i'm chief editor for this magazine called the brain scramble um Mm -hmm. listeners check that out there's this one article that i think is really really amazing that's made by one of my friends lisa it's called you're not a fem cell Um, i read that i read that i think it was great i'm gonna link it in the description again um that i think pretty sum it pretty much sums up a lot of what we talk about if I'm gonna quote it um to exist online basically to exist at all is to be categorized to be understood is to be fundamentally deconstructed until your personality is nothing more than buzzwords in a semi-ironic tweet about internet culture you are wet Lana Del Rey pearl necklace lace Lolita you are Rory Gilmore autumn girl core light academia <laughs> This actually just makes me so sad. Yeah, that's how I feel all the time. Like, we can't define ourselves because everything, we're just a mosaic of everything that's been made before us. I know. And it's, yeah, and sometimes I'm, like, ashamed that I like pumpkin spice lattes from Starbucks. They're my shit, but, like, I don't want someone to take it the wrong way and think that I'm a Christian fall girl because that's also another trope. You know, like the meme of like a bunch of um, girls wearing like hats and like sweaters holding like Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Christian girl autumn. Christian girl autumn. Yeah, that's what I meant. (laughs) There's also like some fun in tropes, even though they're so harmful. Like who would have thought Christian girl autumn would have any significance? They find the best names for them. Can we like talk about this? At least the trope names are fucking hilarious. Manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> Coquette, I could go without for sure. Coquette. Uh, Ridiculous. What was like a billion? Oh, e-girls, e-girls. E-girls. E-boys. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, what else? I feel like there's so many. Oh, Chad, Karen, just two names. Yeah, <laughs> they're literally just names. <laughs> That'll never be used again. Did you hear that? Like, in the past Karen, two years, been, like no Karens born. Not one child has been named Karen because that name is cursed forevermore. <laughs> Which I find, like, I didn't know we like had the power to do that. Like, what it's, is yeah. our name next? <laughs> it's really, really weird how in- internet culture is literally synonymous with our lives now right before there was I think earlier on in the earlier days of the internet sort of 2014 to 2016 era there was still a disconnect right what you see online is still not very like internet culture was very not interwoven with daily life and culture they were two vastly different things you had to go through effort and you had to always be on the internet to eat up these memes you had to learn about them now it's literally just how we live exactly like we're besieged with it like 10 years ago like the only like I mean the major cultural influence would be movies and tv 
And even then, like, I find us being teenagers, some of like the high school movies and stuff that we would like aspire to be are so just not how it is. You know what I'm saying? They're like not hyper-realistic at all. Yeah. Um, and there's like one piece of media that you can like take your inspiration from. Now I'm scrolling on TikTok with people who are like so similar to me and like get like understand everything that I understand, like not some like 40 yeah. year old director for like a teen flick. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it seems a lot more real at the same time. It's like also, it's also crazy because everyone, no one's in charge. Like there's no like yeah. big guy sitting in the office and they're like, hmm, like how should they, we like raise our kids? Like what's going to happen here? No, Even though that's strange in of itself. It's just like an amalgamation and we're all just like imploding on ourselves, which is just yeah. so weird. It's because like we're all making media for ourselves and it's really because we're all just eating it up and we're all, it feels like we're all sort of like meshing into the same person. But then there's also like the flip side of like where I feel like there's like an increased number of like echo chambers right? You just hang out with people that like share your same views and stuff until you go out into the real world and not the internet and you realize that you're not the main character. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with internet communities and just like TikTok and everything we're talking about in general. I like yeah. feel like I'm going to go back to this podcast in like 20 years and be like, little did they know. <laughs> yeah, Metaverse is like coming alive. That's a thing. I, I don't even talk about it. No, but I, for my birthday, my friends gifted me a VR headset. Oh, cool. Yeah, like they got me an Oculus. Um and I've just been playing like silly little games on there, like role, not um, not role playing, but that's that's what I want to talk about. Like I've been playing like uh, adventure games and sort of like Beat Saber and just like little dance games. I can't I can't get myself to buy into like VR chat. Neither. I feel like there's a very slippery slippery yeah. slope to go down. Um, and I, I find it's weird because we have an increased awareness about this whole thing when cell phones and text messaging and like. AOL chat first came out nobody I mean nobody thought it was harmful or bad it was just like butterflies and rainbows for a bit Mm -hmm. um and now we know the danger is very very visceral viscerally about social media and VR and the whole thing so I feel like it might not have such an instant snowball effect as it has in the past if that makes any sense yeah people are gonna be inclined to use discretion about it I feel like I feel like it's getting worse a little bit though like I think because like I don't know kids are growing up with social media they feel a need to grow up faster right they see like I don't know I see like um like young young children go on TikTok they look at older teens they want to be like them right they're eating they're taught more to be like older people than to act their age (laughs) right see that was me but with one character on Disney Channel you know what I'm saying Mm-hmm. It, it's it was less accessible to me back then and even then I want to grow up so badly which I find is sad yeah should be the other way around it should be the other way around it is the other way around which is just so it that's what also bothers me on a daily basis but yeah uh, you should definitely do like a whole episode on internet culture and like get like more things organized because we were I feel like I have to do like a multi-part series yeah like, there's so much to say I don't even know where to start um also as a person who was like largely I think literally fucking raised by the internet I mean like when when I was like seven um maybe like eight I started like literally spending hours of my life like watching YouTube 
eating mm-hmm. up this fucking media and there's like there's unlimited amounts of it right exactly Come, like for like a tv show when you're younger you know the the season ends and you go do whatever because you have to wait for your cable tv to put on whatever you want to watch one episode airing every friday and that was it <laughs> like yeah. now there's like hours and hours of content for every second that you're living there's no lack of it you can just tune in whenever you want It's just all the things that we would be doing if we if we like weren't on social media. And that haunts me every single day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure yet if like technology is an advancement for us where it's just us devolving. <laughs> I think our quality of life is gonna start devolving when we start evolving as like a robot. <laughs> <laughs> This is so sad. I, I we're in the roaring twenties before like it all. Oh my god! Don't say that. Oh no! I took American history. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, are you taking world history next year? No. Aw, I know. I am. Um, what was I say? Oh yeah, I worked as like a marketing intern for an architecture mm-hmm. firm. It was really interesting to see how sort of things are being sold. What what things people are pitching, right? Um, yeah. I was asked to do a project on like up and coming technology. NFTs, metaverse, all of that stuff, people are buying into it. Like it's 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 yeah. becoming real, it's becoming tangible. It's also becoming really weird because now you can go in stores to buy an NFT, which isn't a physical thing. Well, isn't that just like money glorified? A non-fungible, non-fungible little, uh, yeah. yeah, isn't whatever. It's a piece of paper, but that's still a non-fungible token, right? It has a value. It has some like weird symbolic value. I feel like if you take it out of like the digital marketplace, well, I mean, it's still what am I? What am I saying? I feel like it's just money. The truth is, it's just money in a decentralized digital marketplace. And unless that marketplace actually has some sort of real life tangible value to us, there's no point. But that being said, um, people are taking interest in it. So there will start being value. But I also feel like then our governments are going to get involved if it becomes more powerful or a threat to our actual economy. And so I feel like it might just come to near dead end I don't know yeah I don't know if it's gonna like take off or go absolutely nowhere because I don't think there's like an in-between also because I think that this is like back to the privilege thing it's another way for like rich people to just bounce off each other (laughs) (laughs) it's like rich people pokemon card trading it's like them just being eight years old again they're like oh my gosh my what's it called again my crazy ape or something oh my god yeah yeah like that oh my god this is our conversation for like another time. Oh, like Lord, I, got, I got really into Pokemon cards. <laughs> oh, cool. My brother has a whole collection. Wow. You can damn it. <laughs> I, I watched like unboxing Pokemon videos. That's like a whole nother. Maybe that's like another trope that's gotta be like slapped onto me now. <laughs> Just wait. This will not age well. In like six months, it's gonna be like manic Pokemon girl or something like that. <laughs> 
manic, manic NFT trader. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my oh. gosh! Should we run a social experiment where we just like start a trope from like thin air on TikTok and see where it like ends up? How were they born? It very slowly, I find. Yeah, I think it goes from like one thing where something becomes popular, and then people start hating it right people it, this always happens something will like something will take off too fast and because of that but everything at this point takes off really fast now yeah. people start hating it they're like this is so fucking annoying and then they give it a name that's when the trope is born and then people go 180 again and they're like stop hating it let's love and it goes back to like this trope is now acceptable and it's now implemented in our society and now it's just another fucking buzzword <laughs> um it was weird because like I didn't feel like a visco girl was an actual person. Like what what was it like a like a hydro flask water bottle and like a scrunchie on their wrist and that's all it took. That's this is all it. Took. Yeah, because and oh sorry, it was like sort of like a style. Like people yeah. wore scrunchies back then. That was a water bottle some people had, but it's like a hair tie and a fucking water bottle, and mm-hmm. that was like a whole person that yeah. like people could put on and then all of a sudden your scrunchie and your water bottle was like social suicide if you walked out into the world so it's just like it's so the implications are strong but I have no idea how that started it's weird you know? it all lives on the internet this is like a shared fucking experience worldwide I know. right this is all happening at the same time and the like the I think what's interesting is the visco girl thing was an aesthetic now these tropes are now personality types right? You got yeah. the Lamazel Ray girl. That's if you're like a femstyle. Now it's like a, about your actions. It's about if you're a male manipulator or fucking whatever. Before yeah. it was literally just how you dress. No, to be honest, I have a, I have a playlist called Lana Del Slay. And I was thinking yeah. about this the other day. It's just, it's seven hours of all of Lana's songs, which I am entitled to have a playlist by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's giving femcel it's giving femcel vibes and I was like I don't even like feel good about this anymore you know what I'm saying and it's music I like you know it's like yeah, the like, internet gonna bar this for me I'm not sure like in because internet culture has now like turned La- Lana Del Rey into something more than music right yeah now to be a Lana Del Rey fan you have to like there's like a whole background and context and it really freaks me out because sometimes I like want to subscribe to something. Something I'll hear something, I'll be like, oh, this is cool. And then I worry. I'm like, oh, what if it's like, what if it like it's something I've never heard of? What's it if what if it's another trope and I I'm just slapping it onto myself without realizing what I'm signing myself up for? Exactly. And then it's also like a group of artists. So like, oh, if you listen to like Lana Del Rey and Mitski and like Phoebe Bridgers and whatever, like Jonah Apple artists who everyone listens to for good reason, then you're this type of person and if you like the movie Gone Girl and blah 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 blah, and it's just like okay it's like they like kind of lure you into a trap by making things popular and then just like bam you're like it's like a mouse trap they're like you are <laughs> yeah I also feel like it's interconnected with like patriarchy right mm-hmm. like it, it comes with like always having to dog on women for enjoying stuff or for trying to do anything it's like oh yeah if you like this you're a bitch or like if you like this like you're weird or like whatever it's like there's no capacity for us to enjoy anything anymore without so Uh, many 
and it's just like having interests oh my gosh did you hear that guy who's like do you know a woman who like have any hobbies like like <laughs> dead ass on his podcast yeah and like the guy on it on it with him was like no bro like oh my god you're so right <laughs> I was like pardon me <laughs> uh there's there's too much to talk about there's too much to talk about it's interesting because me right now having this podcast is me adding another trope to myself I'm becoming a podcast bitch like <laughs> no don't even, don't even say that out loud I swear <laughs> to god if like if like manic pixie philosopher cheek comes out in like two months philosopher is an like an aesthetic now it's it's so weird because it's I, I mean it's us trying to like compartmentalize ourselves because like that's it's not how it works like like people like try to do things to to fit in a, a trope and aesthetic you know what I'm saying but it's just like do people in the medieval times think like oh this is so like Lord Henry-esque <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> no they just lived and like their whole aesthetic was just like through art but it was just like art unsolicited does that make any sense yeah like I wonder I also wonder where this need to compartmentalize and to define everything comes from like why is there a need for that why do why do we do that well I think it's just like inherent like we just it's easier for us to like categorize things to understand them better and mm. make snap judgments yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then it starts getting in the way of actually getting to know people and making true connections which is just it's it's sad I don't know it's also weird because like dating apps like you just like talk about five of your hobbies and people automatically know that like they know you and like you'll get along which is also not true I feel like hobbies and interests are like 10% of who we genuinely genuinely are as people if that oh makes yeah sense. I but it doesn't feel like that maybe when you're thinking if, it, if I ever make I don't like the idea of dating apps but who knows you know like maybe yeah. one day if I make a profile <laughs> should I just define myself by my buzzwords <laughs> I feel like that's the way I could go about it hi but- I'm Lena Del Rey pixie dream girl podcast pokemon <laughs> <laughs> I feel, no people are definitely gonna start doing that people are having the exact same thought as you right now and it's gonna take off and I feel like then then this whole like Lana Del Rey stem cell thing is gonna blow over and be like the same joke that like Visco Girl was and I'm excited to see the new one it's it's gonna be Sad Girl Autumn I already know Sad Girl Autumn it's already it's coming it's already booting it's up. already coming I can like feel it in the air. <laughs> I can smell it before it comes. We covered some good stuff today, but nothing that like we intended, which I feel like is good because like we were like passionate about like what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. I'm happy we we're able to branch out for the listeners. Let, next episode, it is either going to be justice and taking a philosophical look on justice and questioning like what it means to live a just life. Or it'll be gender, or it'll be anti-natalism. Yeah, you can, you know, <laughs> I have no fucking idea. Anyways, it'll be interesting. So tune in for next episode. Yeah, but thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, Andrea, for being a guest. Of course. Give me a little bit.